0: That, that was a great panel man some interesting takes i i didn't expect uh valinor looking cheesy just man
1: yeah, one of rough. my one of my
0: favorite that's shots rough. but uh it's everybody that that's why i wanted to watch
2: you're entitled to your opinion that's what this is all about
0: People <laughs> <laughs> are gonna take it in different ways that's it's so fun it's so fun <laughs> to hear everyone's takes um so before we get into our lore heavy panel uh, i want to there's a lot of new people who joined the stream so i want to uh remind everybody we are raffling off a piece of art by justin gerard uh the battle of formoria dane versus azog it's a nice big print uh if you submit a super chat for one dollar you'll get a raffle ticket and at the end of this stream we're gonna raffle it off and give it to the winner so um, I don't I haven't I keep track of the chat. I don't know if we I haven't have seen anything any, come through uh, yet, but uh, tickets yet So if you if you do one super chat, right, yeah. you're guaranteed to that's win good, good point until A second one comes in but uh, you're in a good position and it's, it's a beautiful piece and um, I just want to talk a little bit about Justin because uh, His art is some I mean there's a ton of great Tolkien artists his art is some of my favorite He does a lot of work for a lot of different folks. He does um, some great work for for Blizzard. That's D&D and d Um, Nintendo, Sony, you know PlayStation. He's uh, illustrated for a lot of different folks. You may have seen his stuff out there. So he's very, very busy. And um, I'm very appreciative that he took time out to donate a piece and also to create a coupon code for everybody who's watching here. If you go to his store uh, and put in the code ring at checkout, you're going to get $10 off any purchase of $40 or more, which pretty much everything I think is about $40 or more. So basically anything on a site, for the most part, you're going to get $10 off. And uh, so that's ring at checkout. And his website is gallerygerard.com backslash store, gallerygerard.com backslash store. So please go show him some love. You know, um, it's a really important, whatever you think of the show, which I'm having fun talking about it, but whatever you think of the show, support Tolkien artists. They're doing just fabulous stuff. And this is a community. So take this opportunity, grab that coupon code and, and go buy something from, from Justin. And uh, I think Kyle's probably going to be flipping through a few of his other pieces here uh, because there are some real beauties uh you get morgoth with baron and the silmarils um the fall of gondolin is is a a favorite of mine so um we'll probably see a few of those on the screen yes there's a couple up here now (laughs) stunning work really yeah and i like his i like his style his uh, illustration style it's um it kind of stands alone and he really has a mix he does a lot of other stuff so if you if you already have walls full of tolkien art you can get some other uh, other types of stuff there's sort of a I don't want to say generic fantasy, but there's kind of D&D influenced fantasy that's not linked to Tolkien, but it's sort of uh, it within the fantasy realm. Lots of stuff like that. Um, a lot of sort of classical looking figures. So you can, even if you're all stocked up on your Tolkien uh, stuff, there's a lot of other great art for you to peruse. So go check it out. And uh, I also want to remind people that on Fridays, when the show airs, we are having a watch party. We have uh, recipes that we've been tweeting out this week was uh, Sam Gamgee's loaded potatoes. Mm. It was uh, loaded cheese fries. And there were quite a few people who participated in that. And we had a lot of fun sharing photos. And uh, you can join the live Discord, which we make live a couple hours before the show airs. And so people are messaging about the recipe and, of course, chatting about the show, which is really what we want to do. And so I think we're going to have a few of those photos up up on the screen here. Um, of the food and if you partake we have custom drinks these are all season going to come from liquor and lore um liquor and lore actually is helmed by sam who's one of the co-hosts on watch parties uh house of the dragon podcast a watch party of ice and fire and he comes up with some great drinks and this last week for episodes one and two it was the galadriel so champagne gin mint uh very very fresh with a dab of gold gold dust which i didn't know you could i have to say i felt so fancy body drinking body it i was can. like i'm drinking
2: gold
0: yes yeah <laughs> it could have tasted i think awful. i'm just gonna put it in all my drinks right now i've got some because, water here yeah. you can't see it but it doesn't matter <laughs> I, I felt very dwarvish honestly i feel like my, all my insides were coated <laughs> with gold so i'm pretty sure dwarves are adding gold luster dust to all, their, all their drinks yeah and uh, so the recipe came from by the way from spend with pennies uh holly run spend with pennies and it's you know it's a great food blog uh, lots of uh, you know budget conscious recipes go check them out i think they have a book so again they did all that for free for you know no no compensation whatsoever just for fun and to help us out so please go patronize them and show them yep. some love i think now we're ready to get into our lore panel what do you let's think let's do it all right
2: all hail
3: the super nerds
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're bringing in here. Uh, we got Lakitia. Hi!
3: Great to, to see you. <laughs> Glad to be here.
0: We got Hen also. Hi!
3: So happy to be here. Yeah. And
0: again. Uh, I. Uh, <laughs> and I believe Strider's joining us. I can't see him, but uh, he'll be joining us. The man in the clouds, Strider. I expect all of your takes to be very, very deep. And uh, and then we also got joining us our special guest, Matt. Good, thanks for having me, doing, guys. Matt? Yeah, real pleasure. Thanks for joining us. I don't, I don't think you need any introduction. I'm pretty sure everybody who's watching the stream is well, uh, very familiar with your videos. I think you pretty much have the uh, the biggest YouTube or Tolkien uh, YouTube channel out there running. So, uh, but for any who doesn't know, anybody who wandered in here off the street and isn't aware. <laughs> Uh, Matt runs Nerd of the Rings on YouTube. Tons of great breakdown videos, and I'll say I really have appreciated, especially considering how large your audience is, your you know measured and thoughtful takes on the show, uh, in a world where everybody has the hottest of hot takes. Uh, I think yeah. you're you're bringing the nuance, and um, I, I appreciate that.
4: Yeah, I, uh, I I typically don't don't go for hot takes so much. They're very lukewarm at most.
0: All right, so I'm excited to hear your tepid tap water takes. (laughs) So I think I want to kick things off the same way Jen did, I just open form. I want to hear everybody's just general impressions. But when you're answering, we'll do it kind of a fun way. Pick one word, just one word that you think sums up or the thing that jumped out to you, one word for these episodes, and, and then explain why that word is the word you chose. So Matt, why don't we start with you? Okay. Um so if I oh gosh.
4: If I picked a word for the first two episodes would be promising, I think that's the word I would go with. Um there were obviously things that are, you know, that kind of raise my eyebrows a bit. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I would have done it like that, or this seems a little off to me. But I feel like there's plenty in this show so far to Make me want to watch more. Like, that was the big, the big thing. Like, when, when episode two ends and we see the silhouette of who I'm pretty sure is dill I immediately wanted to see more. And I figure that is a good thing. You know, if I was kind of ambivalent and was like, oh, well, I guess, you know, I'll watch it next week, <laughs> you know, but no, I'm like legit excited. I know Numenor is coming right around the corner. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just, I feel like there was enough really promising things in the show and some le- legitimately great moments. I think um, you, know, you guys kind of talked about some of the favorite moments uh, in the previous panel. And I totally agree that Elrond and Doran uh, moment was one of my favorites. And I thought the Elrond and Galadriel um, moment where they're talking in the woods, those two moments for me really stood out. And yeah, I, I, I want to see more is what it comes down to
0: is that measured take i was talking yeah. about <laughs> no, i love it i i feel the same you know that there's things i liked, things i didn't like but um there's plenty to be excited about mm-hmm. obviously i'm pot committed to watching this show so it could have right. been as bad yeah. as possible i was gonna watch it anyway but um yeah the, i'm gonna be happy to watch it i'm not yes
4: that's the big that's the big difference you know i i always thought like well if it's absolutely terrible then i'll at least be able to talk about you know what i would have done differently and that's still part of the conversation going forward but right you know it's it feels less of a chore when there's things in the show that you legitimately like and or legitimately love um that you want to see more of it makes it a lot more fun
0: look at you why don't we go to you then next one word okay why
3: the first word that came to to my mind was promising so you know thank you matt uh (laughs) the second one the second one however was dreamy i i I felt like a lot of the scenes had this very dreamlike quality to it um especially the the you know the all the scenes in linden and uh, the the journey back to valinor um i felt like the the harfoots as well had this this sort of very very fairy tale like quality to them in and it was to a degree that I found absolutely enchanting, absolutely again, dreamy. Um, and also, in a way, you know th- this does feel like a dream. We've been waiting for this for for five years, and I'm still pinching myself that this has actually happened, that we've reached that point that the show is actually out. So all in all, that's that's my first impression. yeah
0: nice. Strider.
5: places we haven't seen before. Uh, so we had to establish Eregion. We had to establish Casa Doom in a way we haven't seen it you know, on such a grand scale because there's like a, a whole live place now compared to the movies. Um, we had to see Linden, which we saw only as, you know, like maybe three minutes of it, five minutes of it at the end of The Return of the King. And we also had the South, Southlands. So I think the epi- episode or the episodes, uh, did a pretty good job of explaining and establishing the whole world and make, creating the setup for forwards. They weren't ideal. There were some, uh, maybe editing issues, I, and some people didn't like the pace. Some people didn't like some other things. So there was definitely some issues there, but overall, I think they did a really solid job of uh, giving us a base to move forward on from here.
0: I agree with that wholeheartedly. Hen, how about you? Uh, You know, it's
6: (laughs) unfortunate I've been saved for last because it's gonna make me sound quite petty because my word for it, and it's gonna sound charitable on purpose, I'm afraid, is that it was pleasant, you know? Uh, By which I mean, and I really mean it in a kind of charitable way because it was nice to look at, nice to listen to, it was intercut not very well actually at all and structured mm-hmm. very very oddly um especially the first of the two episodes i am doing them together as a suite but at the same mm-hmm. time the first of the two i thought was and the more I, I i always watch uh anything that i'm going to review twice And so the more i watched it and the more i thought about it the more cumbersome it became, and the more uh it just the, as soon as you even just start settle into a situation into a place into an atmosphere it indicates something else and it was just a little bit breathless uh, i mean it it's it's a shame in a way because it does a disservice to what is a very 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 nice beautifully realized tableau of you know uh, Valinor and the forward wave and Linden later on certainly episode 2 we get to Iregon uh, Kazadoom was the f- the one location that really got a big smutch uh, but yeah just the 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 way in which it was structured i think possibly if it had one storyline less if one of the storylines was just axed in the writing it would have been a lot more you know, uh, and I think that because all, of, yeah, because all of the storylines are there, uh, they don't all function equally. And of them, I expected the most, uh, I expected the half one to be the most uh, problematic. Of course it is problematic to me at least, because that's not the kind of thing that I enjoy. Um, but- uh, Because you're a
3: wet blanket. Continue.
6: <laughs> I'm sorry. But our favorite, but Yeah, blank. but yeah, um, but, uh, but my. Ultimately, it was the Tiharad storyline, which is the the frontier in a way of the whole piece. So it's unfortunate that that storyline would be. So it feels like there are things missing, you know. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 fine. Like there's nothing like seriously wrong with. it. i can put that but at the same time having seen it one twice i'm not sure i'm i can see myself see it a third time at all really these two anyway i think we we
5: can all agree agree. it is a pretty
6: pretty pleasant start watch one watch something again you know like i don't know
0: well I i would say that i i pretty much agree with everything that's been said here to some degree, both good and bad, you know, both uh, including hence criticisms, which is why this is going to sound weird, but my word, it's really two words and cheating, but it's it's welcome back. Um, mm-hmm. My experience watching it in the theater was actually very very similar to my experience watching Fellowship of the Ring in the theater, and as much as I love Fellowship of the Ring now. You know, when I watched it the first time, I both loved it and also felt weird about it because when you walk into a theater with all the baggage of the books and your head canon and your images in your head um, and the way you think everything should go, seeing something, even when it's very well done, when it departs from your expectations or your hopes mm-hmm. in any way, that becomes a thing your brain chews on. And so I was struggling with that when I watched it the first time. There was stuff that I that I absolutely loved. the The prologue, there were moments in there that just hit me right in the gut the way that Peter Jackson's prologue did things that I absolutely loved and it made me feel like yeah this is this is Middle Earth the look and feel of it at a base level the foundations of Middle Earth the look and feel of Middle Earth you know it felt like coming home to Middle Earth felt very familiar also but different and new so I was very excited about that but I also had that the, the same sort of experience where I'm constantly questioning certain certain changes and like What happened with fellowship of the ring when i watched it a second time my my viewing experience got better because i had sort of gotten used to the changes and i was no longer in my head about all that stuff and i think i i feel like there is a lot of promise with this show a lot a lot of promise the narrative is not yet super gripping because it is a little bit all over the place Mm -hmm. it's a little disjointed because they we jump straight into several narratives simultaneously And I don't want to compare this to Game of Thrones all the time, but it is a useful comparison because think about the first episode of Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is a huge universe as well with lots of disparate storylines. People are in different parts of the world. Why doesn't that feel clunky? Well, the show starts with everyone in one place. The king goes to the north, so the the king and the Lannisters and the Starks, we're introduced to all of our main characters in the same place, and it very neatly sets up. The conflict between each of the characters, and they're all together. So you can wrap your mind around it. And then they, so we have that foundation, they can add on other storylines. They chose not to do that with Rings of Power. Everyone's in separate places. They did a little bit of unifying with, you know, Elrond and Kazadum, introducing Kazadum through Elrond, who we already knew. Um, So there's a little bit of that. But um, I think that as the show goes on, once we settle into the the storylines, which is going to take some time, it sounds, it feels like a few episodes we'll be able to go back and rewatch these episodes and enjoy them a little bit more because now we know where it's going. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of my high level thoughts about this.
3: Yeah, and I think, it just, just to cut in quickly, I think it also, you mentioned Game of Thrones, but I think that's also the the situation with the Lord of the Rings itself. You know, you start out with this little group and then you get yes. like a, a new member added every every few chapter or a couple of new members added to the fellowship. Um, but yeah, I think this show is going the opposite way. They're going to present us several different, different plot lines. And I, I expect most of these plot lines to merge by the end of the season. So yeah, they went the other way around. Mm.
0: Which I I don't know how I feel about plot lines merging because it's a big (laughs) universe and I don't want to oversimplify, Mm -hmm. but you know, I don't see that many of them merging. Uh, Like
6: Linden is already on talking terms, so to speak with a and on doom. Mm Galadriel's going to Numenor and then Numenor mm-hmm. and Galadriel are going to Tirharad, but that's about yeah. it really.
3: Yeah, but then that's like yeah. three three major plot lines emerging. And I, than, I do th- think rather than five. Yeah, but I do think you know the, the Harfords are situated pretty close to Tirharad as well. They so are, I wouldn't yeah. be terribly surprised if they right. make their way. Yeah. Down to to um the southlands I mean, as well.
6: Eventually they, but I mean, eventually, eventually they will the merge. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, they have to.
3: And I just gotta say, I really agree with Han when he said that uh, just that the intercutting wasn't always the smoothest. Mm. For yeah. me, particularly jarring was when we. F- first start with the you know rock smashing competition yes. and then it Cuts just away. starts and you're like okay this is exciting and then you cut to this pastoral idol with with the harfoots just tracking across the the landscape and i'm like really <laughs> and
4: yeah i had that makes, same moment yeah. in mind actually it also the exact it same makes moment. the,
6: the <laughs> stone breaking competition like it took so much long because you cut away from it to the harford's and then to galadriel doing her you know Mm -hmm. cross-continent swimming competition (laughs) (laughs) and uh and uh as a result when a when a when a film or a tv show cuts away you you imagine that the other plot lines are continuing all the time while you're away yeah. So it, it, it's illusory in a way, but it makes you feel like, it it's, makes it seem like the, the rock-breaking component of the day is really. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's very tricky. Mm-hmm. And really, the the reason why I feel that the khazad Doom piece was by far the most successful part of the thing, but one is that once we do cut back to the stone-breaking, rock-breaking competition, we have the tail end of that scene, followed by a confrontation between Durin and Elrond, kind of domesticated it, though it may be a little bit uh, on the elevator. And then a kind of slightly sitcomy but in a pleasant way, uh, scene with Durin and Disa. So we have three scenes in the same locale, played back to back, instead of the kind of potpourri of, of cutting to this mm-hmm. one and that one and this one, which kind of dissolves the whole
0: effect. And I'll, I'll say one last thing before we jump into our really specific lore questions. I, one thing I've noticed, seeing people's reactions online, everyone's reacting differently to different things. Some people adore all the scenes with, with uh, Durin and Disa and Elrond. Some people have issues with it. You know, some people love the Harfoots. Some people have issues with it. Some people, I, I love the, the, at least the visuals of going to Valinor. We saw on our newbie panel, some people thought that was hokey. It was like something out of Monty Python. So there's, I, I think we're going to yeah. see a lot of that. People having completely different subjective experiences and opinions about what they're watching. And there's going to be, a, so there's going to be a lot for everybody, but it's going to be different stuff. Uh, and I think that's fascinating. So I got a few, I, I want to dig into some really kind of meaty lore questions if we can. And so I'll kind of lay it out there, So you know, kind of an extended question and let you guys kind of debate it. So the first one I have here is, I wanna talk about Sauron's mark. And this mm. is kind of a, I think a, just a, to wet our whistles a little bit. So Sauron's mark to me appears to be more than a mere sigil. It was cut or branded into Finrod's chest. It appeared on the anvil in the icy fortress of the forward wave where Gladiol poured water on it and, it and it appeared. It is found on the hilt of Theo's broken blade. And at least two of these examples The mark is linked to some sort of magical item or place or event, right? The the anvil, which Sauron was using in pursuit of some dark sorcery of old to meddle with the unseen world. And then we've got the blade, which we see beginning to reform after coming in contact with uh, Theo's blood. And both Galadriel and Elrond say multiple times that nobody knows what the mark is. All the lore masters have no idea, Mm -hmm. which just screams to the audience that this is a mystery we are supposed to care about and follow as the episodes go on. Um, so is the mark more than just a sigil is, does it have something narratively important to it? And perhaps the mark itself has power, perhaps it's a spell of some kind that they'll treat it that way. So what do you guys think is the deeper significance of Sauron's mark? Strider, let's start with you.
5: Well, I guess that is one of the main questions basically that are set up in the first two episodes, but it does remind me, uh, on a way smaller scale to what uh, gandalf did to to bilbo's doors i think he also leaves he leaves a mark and i think that the mark also had some sort of like a magical sign uh role there so it kind of reminds me of that but it's i think it's a really good um it's it's a really well set up mystery but i cannot recall i mean we have the doors of durin but i don't it's not the, that themselves are in a way magical, it's the door, there's a spell on the doors that works in, in the way that it works so I'm not sure how to feel about this, I was trying to remember to, to dig up some other uh, place in Tolkien's lore about such, an, such a magic, magical um, item if, if I may say so, but I haven't successfully managed that yet, I think it's a really good mystery for me
4: so i uh i've actually i have a very specific theory on this mark that i i put in my breakdown video for uh for the first episode and then i think in one of the one of the trailer breakdowns that i did um so for a a long time we saw it you know facing kind of up and down and then you know when we see it on finrod it's to the side so like back back when it was up and down i was like messing around with it in Photoshop and stuff and twisted on its side. And to me, it looks like the map of Mordor and it's like the mountain range outlines it. And if you, if you kind of overlay them, uh, the, there's like a little hump on the, the line that goes through kind of the U shape. And I think it, it comes pretty close to lining up with where mountain doom is in Mm -hmm. Mordor.
3: Can I comment on that? (laughs)
6: The ball guy, but yeah. Uh,
3: I I saw that theory online, and it does match more than I would like it to match. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But the one thing, the one thing that threw me off a little here is I don't imagine Mordor would be a place that he would be, you know, eyeing back in the time when he branded Finrod with the with the mark, Mm. because as we know, in during the time this show begins, which is centuries later. What will later become Mordor is still this verdant land where people live, you know, this idyllic life. So, I kind of, I, I, I can see it making sense within yeah. the context of, you know, Second Age when the show is actually taking place. But given how early this mark appears, it just, it just, I kind of can't connect it.
4: So I, but I will say, right, right. in in relation to like the idyllic land, there <laughs> is a line when Arondir is right. talking to the the um watch warden watch warden yeah. yeah he says Arabian. something about like how much how better the land yes how much it's changed so it makes me it's wonder good. if you know okay. it wasn't always he, say, like he that. said
6: it was like rocky and bouldery before so yeah not, something not you know sulfurous like we know mordor but uh, yeah a little bit okay, more arid fair point. and also it's not necessarily you know like um the design choices don't always line up with the minutiae of the writing. So, you know.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah but I, I, I would have I hoped it. it would.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I would Yeah. If I it
5: needs to... uh, uh, like a waypoint for like a clue for the geographical location, I think I'm going to be very surprised. Even though I saw that, as, as <laughs> I like it said, it I, fits. Yeah. Well, like it's well. It fits wearingly well. I also wouldn't prefer it to be that, but yeah, I don't know. That So far, honestly, that is the best theory we, anybody has thought of you know, so far. It, it, so yeah, we'll it's have really to just, see. I
6: think more than anything, it's just you know angular and brutish and pointy and all those mm-hmm. things that we... that That's really... Uh, and you can also look at it as a very stylized form of the eye to yeah. some extent.
4: And I could I Actually could see I that. really liked
5: yeah. the yeah, just a quick one. Uh so I really liked the that's probably the first major that it was actually uh seal that uh, was actually Morgoth's crown with like the three pointy Okay for oh, every three uh okay. for the three That's yeah. not a bad
2: idea. And
5: yeah, that yeah. was actually for me really good. And I and I actually prefer that still to this uh, to this being a geographical
6: clue that's that's good yeah because that's it would be sauron good. as the servant of morgoth which of course he will be in the. Context.
5: and he does at some Hora's point Hora's i'm Hora. not sure when but he does assume like like he starts off i i believe when uh like like he's building up this religion around morgoth but yeah. at some point he starts uh claiming that he is morgoth at least in one of the versions so I thought that would fit very well, but yeah. yeah, no, I'm not sure. No,
2: no, I think it's I didn't
6: think of that. Interesting.
0: Well, and Matt, supporting your theory, I mean, in that scene where Galadriel sees the sign, she expressly says like this, I forget the words, but like this is a was left as a map for the orc. That's not a clue. map, but like yeah, a sign yeah. for the orcs as mm-hmm. a clue, right? Which apparently in this world orcs are geniuses because they can make out what that thing right. means. Yeah, for real. That, that that can. Is... But I, I think that is probably—it's <laughs> a solid theory. I'm going to give you a totally paper-thin, terrible theory, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I hope it doesn't turn out to be true. But um, let's say that this mark has some sort of magical power. We know it's—it appears on the anvil in this place where they're uh, toying with the unseen world, some sort of dark sorcerer for the unseen world. Which think about the One Ring and the Rings of Power—they allow the One Ring allows its wearer to enter into the unseen world. So I think yeah. there's clearly a link between that reference to playing with that type of dark sorcery and what he later does with the rings. And so I think that that symbol has some significance, um, perhaps like uh, it wouldn't be rooted in the books, but some sort of magical power itself. And if that's the case, why is it cut into Finrod's chest? I think at first I just assumed, well, he's just marking his uh, you know fallen enemy um, as a sort of brutish way of claiming territory or whatever. But I think early on there was there was some speculation that Adar was one of Galadriel's brothers. Mm. So let's say that they are totally twisting things around. Adar actually is Finrod, risen from the grave because of this mark that Mm. Sauron placed on him. So Adar actually becomes a a corrupted version of Finrod, who is sort of forced into Sauron's service Um, and overcoming Mm. that is going to be part of his arc and it's going to be tied into Galadriel's arc. I'm not betting any money on this, and I don't love it, but it's a theory.
3: If they do that to, to Finrod, somebody's, you know, oh, there's going to be hell to oh, pay. Oh, man. Um, Couldn't agree I'm, more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there with the pitchfork and somebody will answer for this crime. <laughs> I sort of don't... I, I And you will I'm not going, be going alone. Thank you, thank you. Um, I sort of feel like this is going to be very superficial, but I, I feel like if that were the case, they would try to cast a younger Finrod um closer to what you know adar's actor joseph maul looks like i think that the two actors have very 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 different faces uh so i think either they will try to i don't know digitally uh dh joseph Mall or just cast an actor who looks a lot more like him i think i hope
0: or maybe they think know. Joseph Mawe looks like that younger actor, but if he was raised from the dead, and a corpse. <laughs> wow, that's which... such a compliment. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I don't think that. I don't think that. I'm just saying maybe somebody that. Uh, All right, well, let's let's jump into another one. One of the things I was most excited to see is the Tiharad plotline and what they were going to do with the Sylvan Elves, because what the Sylvan Elves, the Avari are doing all through the First Age and into the Second Age is kind of a blank canvas. Um, Tolkien tells us very briefly that they've been there the whole time, but the wars in Beleriand were kind of a, uh, just a rumor and a legend to them. They weren't mm-hmm. really a part of it. And so seeing Arandir, knowing that he's a Sylvan Elf, and knowing that he's interacting with these men of the East, I was really fascinated to see where they go with that. And I, I'm, I haven't been disappointed because they're setting it up so that the Sylvan Elves and Tirharad seem to be something of an occupying force of peacekeepers. And although they're, I guess you could say benevolent and not overtly hostile to the men, um, they are still perceived by many of the men there as oppressors. And in the very first scene we meet Arandir, Theo's friend calls him knife ears, which is plainly meant to be sort of a racial slur within the Mm -hmm. universe. Um, And the elves on the flip side don't really want to be there either. We see Arandir's commander is similarly prejudiced against the men. He thinks that their evil runs through their blood and there's no helping them. And so he doesn't think much of them at all. no way to get over the link to their ancestors. So I think this idea of elves being something of an occupying peacekeeping force against the will of the people they're occupying is a really fascinating one. And I want to throw to you, the panel, I want to ask your opinion. How does this theme, the idea of occupation, fit into other themes explored by Tolkien in the Legendarium, or how can it be used to that effect? So, Hen, um, let's start with you.
6: You know, uh, it's actually very—it's I guess relevant because Numenor becomes an occupying force. I'm assuming not that much later than what we have in this season. So it's uh, yeah, in that sense, it's foreshadowing, I guess. So the elves will move out for the Numenorians to take their place, possibly.
5: Uh, for me, first of all, I, I think that's a really good um, comparison. Uh, i, I I'm, one of the things I'm very interested in is how and if they will actually go with the whole concept of uh, Numenor as a colonizing force, uh, because that's a huge part of their history. That's that's a huge, huge part of the history that sets up so many things in the future. It sets up the Black Numenorians, It sets up the countries that Elendil, Isildur, and Anarion will, you know, uh, use, take, and form into kingdoms that we know as Arnor and Gondor. So I think that's really important. But um, for this, actually, reminds me of that question of what did Aragorn and his forces uh, do with the remnants of the orcs after the fall of Baradur? Like, what, what is the the moral question of being having the high ground towards uh, compar- compared to your enemies and the morality of what do you do with them? Okay, are you? Are they now completing your power? Should you do this or not? Because Aragon and the Free Peoples of the West are the good guys, obviously, and the Elves are supposed to be good guys. So it's definitely an interesting question. I think it could be definitely foreshadowing for Numenor, but I didn't expect this to be. I mean, like, not I didn't
6: expect not gonna be them the to plate. be yeah. like this. It's not going to be in the same place the occupation because Teoharad kind of goes kaboom. So.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I. Uh,
4: so I first of all I, I wanted to mention I really like deer. I I love the oh, yeah. idea of a stoic elf that's you know not so light and breezy as Legolas. Like they're both you know I like I said on my stream I they're both BA but in different ways. Um, and I'm totally on board with a stoic BA elf. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, the thing that kind of made me wonder about this whole setup was the fact that, you know, I, we have been told, right. That Arondir is a Sylvan elf. And I kind of wondered like, why does he answer to the King of the Noldor? Like, wouldn't you you would expect him to, Mm -hmm. you know, answer to, uh, thranduil's father perhaps um yeah, or be no one of girl. the you know perhaps one of the elves of uh um Lorien, and which is becomes lorian um but yeah so i i was very curious like why you know i always got the impression that sylvan elves you know wouldn't wouldn't necessarily just fall in line under the Noldor.
0: well i i assume I think... so go ahead look at you go ahead
3: mm-hmm. uh... I have a short one um, I think first of all the elves are much more of you know political animals here than I, I would have anticipated their their whole political structure is more explained than I expected and much broader like you guys said I didn't expect you know Gilgala to have power this far in the south I, I certainly didn't expect someone else to be his subjects etc um, and the other thing that Strider mentioned about the Numenorean colonies i'm really really curious what they're going to do with that i mean colonization is something that i think within the context of numenor um makes much more sense throughout the centuries that you know it took place in i'm i'm curious if this show is just gonna jam everything within a, a few years because uh, yeah. in that case the the they're colonization force is going to be lessened a lot so
6: right, I didn't think of it like that yeah because Mm. most of the time you see colonization and it's always like this it's been going on for a while when the curtain rises which wouldn't be the case here Uh, as Mm. as to the mechanics of how it would go I have a pretty solid guess my thinking is very simple Tiharad goes kaboom Bronwyn and the survivors relocate to, I assume, Umbar, um, and that gets gets occupied. Occupied. I mean, that's obviously season two and things.
0: So I want to glom onto something that that Matt mentioned, which is the weirdness of the Sylvan Elves being under the authority of Gilgalad, um, and. I wouldn't have even noticed this if they hadn't specifically said in all kinds of marketing materials before the show that Arandir is a sylvan elf, right? right? That is a, that is a yeah. fact they have confirmed it. So now we have to wrestle with this notion that the sylvan elves and the outer outposts are actually under the command of Gilgalad. Yeah. And so the question becomes, are they just, Hence, said it's for simplicity's sake. I'm sure that's the case. How far are they going to go with that? Are they basically stripping out any distinctions between the tribes, the different tribes of elves, um, and if so are uh, yeah. we? Are they going to do something yeah. similar between the different tribes of, of dwarves? Are they just saying dwarves are one group, elves are one group, you know, so. men in Middle Earth yeah. are another group, and then yet Numenor? Uh, I think
6: you have a very simple uh, evidence of it. Does R&D really talk or behave any different than any of the other elves? I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, he has the same heightened language. Some of his lines to Bronwyn are pretty. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't like. Uh, there's no different feeling between him and the Nodo particularly. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's your answer right there. Which
4: yeah, I, I I can't help but think that's a little bit of a shame. I mean, even in the yeah. Hobbit movies, we got yeah, I was gonna you say know the Tower Elect where she said you wouldn't let him pledge himself to a lowly Sylvan Elf and yeah, Thranduil being, being yeah, a total basically. jerk is just like, nope, yeah. I sure wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, like this this show, because you know, presumably uh if they go there with uh War of the last alliance, they could bring in Thranduil's father yeah. Orofair, and they could bring in the Elves of Lorien, and you know, those are um, Sylvan Elves led by Cinderin elves. And you know, we could have three different factions of elves at play here. And we kind of we
5: should hopefully have those. Maybe I maybe yeah. even more. And you know, we can I... perhaps hopefully see uh, also Amroth and his father yeah. ruling. Lorien there's yeah. that whole thing happening there so yeah. i hope we are not seeing them just emerging maybe they will explain something maybe maybe gilgalad at this point is you know the high king of elves in middle earth but perhaps and of course i think we're hoping for this to be to be, to be the case uh, perhaps there are still those you know other realms they just see him as the high king you know like yeah, as, as what so. we had in Beleriand during the first age yeah you know mm-hmm. you had all of the northering kingdoms and you had i don't know fingolfin or fingon at, at different points being the king so mm-hmm. hopefully yeah. maybe this is the the case yeah
3: I think yeah, it might be, but I think if they did decide to go that route, they would make it clear in this episode when they mentioned hiking Gil Galit giving the orders to you know disband the 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 watch guards and, and they stuff. Say we're going I home. think
2: yeah,
3: yeah, I think right. that might be a good chance to insert you know the distinction and to say I don't know to, for them to complain something yeah. about being ruled uh, by a Noldo or something yeah. like that. I don't or even if the the, it, it was
4: Arondir would go yeah. home somewhere else, you know. Like, yeah. hey, you've been under the servitude of the High King of the Noldor, but now you can go back to Greenwood, you know, or
5: something. Yeah.
3: Exactly to something your own life. people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I may, uh,
5: I just course. something just uh, some. Sorry, I think this may be something interesting. Um, just just for a short one. So I think we had the elves of Ossirians in Beller- in Beleriand, right? They were the woodland elves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So perhaps that's what they're going with. Maybe he is one of those, said, and that's why yeah. he's uh, they, they he them. is a, a subject of Gilgalad because you know it's the it's in the area. They probably didn't move away across Middle Earth. They probably just they, stayed in the Lindon area. So maybe he belongs to this group that could they, they fit.
6: They him, "What did you do before the war?" So probably, uh,
3: but I think I this is the sort of thing that you know the nature of adaptation requires you to simplify things. And yep. I think they I'm very, very sorry <laughs> about this, but I, I think they just they'll just omit mentioning, you know, the, the Nolder in general, the Sylvan Elves in general. I think they'll just, you know, present them as the elves and there are different factions of the elves, but we're yeah. not gonna go yeah. too deep into explaining it.
4: The nice thing though about you know this being a TV series is that that's something that could get introduced in a later yeah. series? You know, when right. perhaps we get the elves of Greenwood in a later mm-hmm. season, and that's where we, we get mm-hmm. more of this mm-hmm. distinction. Um, yeah. That is, I think we would,
6: yeah, yeah because then it's in their best interest to keep on introducing new things because yeah. you you just you have to to keep it. You, you can't just. Uh, as much like Helleborn, apparently yeah (laughs) yeah sure (laughs) yeah and they want things to be unified you also you Mm -hmm. want to keep introducing new things otherwise it becomes you know a little bit uh, you know there's only so much you can do with it yes so yeah
3: that is true but on the other hand and i'm sorry i'm being stubborn about this and i i really wish it i would believe it would be otherwise but i think it's odd if you have two or several main characters who are elves and then after a season or two you go like okay so here's the explanation actually arondir is completely different than galadriel based on his you know origin and everything so i think
6: and to be fair you're right um they don't mention that Aaron Deer is a silver elf. We know it from marketing. We don't know it from the show.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: It's, it's never yeah. mentioned. Yeah, I'm very sympathetic to
0: the the problem that the showrunners are confronted with, needing to decide which things to compress or simplify, you know, streamline the yeah. purposes of the show and, and which not yeah. to. I would just prefer, though, um, obviously I want to see everything in its fullness. We're not going to get that. But let's say that they decide we're not going to get into the distinctions between the tribes of elves. I get that. You don't need to get into it. But you also don't need to include any lines that foreclose the opportunity to get into it later, yeah. right? And and that that was the thing that actually to me the most about the line, indicating they're under the authority of King Gilgalad, because getting into the distinctions later would they kind of can't backtrack on that, right? Yeah. The Sylvan Elves are under Gilgalad's authority, so they're kind yeah. of stuck with that now.
6: Yeah, I really think as much as it's very easy to take quotes of the showrunners like oh we have it all figured out and take it really 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 far um you know they have an outline don't you know like it's so it's it's not that worked out that they that it's really necessary to look at every single line that is being said as something that is going to be totally that they're going to be totally beholden to as they develop the plot on you know or something the behind each line is some sort of intention would become clearer in you know future seasons because that's just not not how it works you know
0: yeah so a a place that we may see a glimmer of the distinctions between groups of elves is with elrond and i was really caught by surprise or really you know caught my eye that Mm -hmm. scene the introductory scene with elrond where he's being told Sorry, Mm -hmm. you can't come to the meeting today. Elf Lords only, right? Mm -hmm. And so we are seeing, uh, getting our first taste in that scene and elsewhere in the show of of what Elvish governance looks like, power structures, economic, uh, their economy, and a potential caste system. I mean, Elrond, we imagine him as being an Elf Lord, but at this point, he is not. And even though he is, it's established that he's Gil Gallad's right hand, he's writing speeches for him. Gil Mm Gallad makes a comment indicating that he knows Elrond wishes to lead and yet despite his position of authority with you know within the group and as gil right hand he still isn't allowed to go to the elf lord meeting right so yeah, i sure. thought that was really interesting
6: i think it's yeah. just to make errone the everyman and to be fair it's one moment of the show that is really 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 very very successful um everyone is a much much more i find much more involving character really than galadriel really than Mm. anyone else really um and you know that that was that was very nice so yeah it's it's a little bit stretching the imagination in a way but it works
4: yeah i Mm. i honestly before you know a lot of the marketing came out i i did an entire video where i was making the case that elrond should be the main character Um, Mm -hmm. not that I, you know, I don't have anything against Galadriel being the main character, but I feel like Elrond is the more interesting Interesting. and has, you know, at least in terms of book lore, like has the best, uh, entry point for the second age characters. Um, Hmm. and I, I think we are seeing, you know, they're, they're dialing him back a little bit now so he can grow into the character that he becomes, um. So I'm guessing a a big moment for his character will be when uh you know in the aftermath and even during the War of the Elves and Sauron that he founds Rivendell, and that's mm-hmm. when he's gonna come into that leadership role.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with 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 you guys, and I I agree with what what Han said. I think. They just really wanted to make him be a little bit more marginalized within the Elven society. I wonder if they're gonna take—I um, don't know—maybe his position as half-Elven, some somewhere else. I, I, I kind of don't want to see that happen, uh, but I'm, I'm afraid they might. Uh, and I just, don't I just want to say, I just want to say that um, I really appreciated that his introductory scene. I thought it was wonderfully done uh and i especially feel like when he said um yeah well maybe i just didn't want to be found or something along those lines i felt like that was such a such a huge and wonderful shout out to all the introverts out there um (laughs) (laughs) and it was it was acted with such delicacy as well so i really appreciated Uh,
5: it
2: it
5: it kind of reminds uh, one of uh, frodo and his the opening scene of the fellowship of the ring you know Like he starts in, in a very similar position.
2: Yeah. So yeah.
5: I would say, uh, I, I, re- I very much agree with Matt. I actually remember that video and uh, up until I saw this video about Elrond, I didn't maybe completely think about it, but when I saw the video from then on, I'm definitely in the camp that Elrond perhaps was a better choice for the main lead. Uh, as you say, he has so many good entry points and just look at his lineage, yeah. like he has everything there, you know. Mm uh i mean and to add to that it was a bit strange for me um i can see the meta reason as hans said they want to make him more approachable to be kind to kind of on the sides of everything so it's easier for us to connect with him but He's
6: played his his
5: fa- he, he, he is he uh, is the noblest nobility they have like he yeah. he has you know in a way higher lineage than literally any other person left in middle in earth all,
6: in all of middle earth uh, history really in
5: in a- anywhere basically like he is an elf a man and a maiar right Yeah. so
6: there's exactly so much there i mean
5: his be. his father is flying the, the the heavens you know so it's kind of weird that he is in this position where you know, you should stay out of this console. You know?
6: Yeah, so so, he's also that's, younger, that's very interesting. So he's yeah. also younger, so it works, I think, like that. Like, oh, he's junior division. I <laughs> And he's played as younger as well. Yeah. Um,
5: that is a fair point.
4: Is uh, anybody else really hoping that we get. At some point, a Numenorian who comes to Middle Earth and meets Elrond and recognizes him as Elros's yeah. twin yeah. brother yeah. because they probably have statues of him. Uh, yeah, one, that's
5: that would be great.
4: Uh,
3: one, that's one why.
4: Weird...
3: That's why we we kind of uh, I think we chatted about this quite a lot on everywhere on Twitter and Discord on on our YouTube channel. That's why a lot of us were kind of. Disappointed that it was Galadriel, not Elrond, who was taking the journey to Numenor. Mm, I yeah, think like, there was yeah, a, a big missed opportunity, like. and I understand Absolutely. it's the dramatic arc they want to go with, yada yada. But for me, that oh, would have been, been that much more special. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
5: It should have been. Just imagine him looking at the statue of his brother. Of yeah. his brother. That's yeah. Such oh, yeah, a great yeah. moment.
6: And and, and the, So I mean, I'm the, hoping the, that somehow we is get to see him on. there. We, may still we get didn't that see it that we didn't see, yeah, it, we see, see it. Yeah, we, we missed it. No, but I mean, we didn't see it. Yeah, we saw an excerpt of Galadriel, uh, you know, enunciating her, you know, position to the court. And I feel like with Elrond, it would have been much more, oh, yeah. Yeah, my dad. Oh yeah, was, that would carry a lot of my, my, like you yeah. know that
4: statue that looks just like me and the star <laughs> that you guys followed <laughs> yeah. to get rather, here.
6: Yeah, that's my yeah. The my more brother. the more ostentatious grandstanding thing that Galadriel seems to be doing, which he has been mm. doing for a bit of right. just um, grandstanding.
4: I just imagine <laughs> I like the that. the numenorians like all you know Elrond being walked down the streets of Numenor mm-hmm. and like everyone like turning their head like wait what. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, and it would have been so much more precious just to see Numenor through his eyes. I mean, now we're mm-hmm. gonna see it through Galadriel's, which is fine, but in that case, it would just be like, wow, these his are brother's my brothers' people. people. You know, yeah. they they made this, they built this from the ground up. So yeah, and I That's mean the the shame. fact
4: that he he fosters you know the line of the Numenorians, yeah, like, like all those heirs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah,
2: exactly from
4: that line, and it's it's him, you know, preserving his brother's line.
2: Yeah,
5: i think seeing elrond in in numinar is probably in my top three top five things i want to see until the end of the show um definitely because of all the reasons mentioned here all
0: right i want to hit one more deep lore question uh, before we go into some sort of uh, rapid fire questions and then we've i know we've got at least one maybe two uh callers that uh, are going to call in so um i want to talk about the band Mm-hmm. The ban against the Noldor, which in the books, is supposed to have been lifted at the end of the Second mm-hmm. Age. Uh, of course, there are different, slightly nuanced versions of that, but l- let's just take the main one. It's lifted. Lots of elves go back. Many leave Middle-earth, mm-hmm. and those few that stay do so of their own free will. In particular, in the Calibath, it says that after defeating Morgoth, quote, the Eldar they summoned to return t- into the West, and those that hearkened to the summons dwelt in the Isle of Aresia, end quote. And many elves did go, uh, but those that stayed did so because they love this place. And we know in uh, Otrapata, or of the Rings of Power in the Third Age, it says that in the Second Age, quote, many of the Eldar still dwelt in Lindon, lingering unwilling yet to forsake Beleriand where they had fought and labored long. And certain years in the Second Age the elves called the Days of Flight when Sauron starts to rise again. They're all, they're all going freely, right, to, to back to Valinor. And yet, in this show, they make a there's a big scene here where it's made very clear that the only way to go back to Valinor is if Gil Gallad gives you a ticket. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to get your passport stamped by Gil Galad, or if you are stuck. And they act like everybody wants to go. I mean, everybody in, yeah. uh, in Galadriel's um regiment, yeah. the look on their face, they are dying to go back. Finally, they get to go back as a reward for their good work, I guess. Um, and that, I think, really subverts the mindset and um, motivations of the elves that remain in Middle-earth, which I think become or should become important because it is their desire to better Middle-earth and make a kingdom yeah. that rivals Valinor that they want it to stay. Um, that's the thing that Sauron grabs onto and manipulates to get them to make the rings, of, the, the rings of power, right? So I think this is a really important change. and I'm curious what your thoughts are in terms of how it will change a lot of the thematic stuff going forward.
3: And can I just add to that? It also gives Gilgalad some sort of, uh, you know, Valar like authority, which he yeah. Yeah. certainly didn't have in the lore. And Gilgalad is somebody who has not even... Across yeah. his chest. That's part yeah. of his, uh, yeah. his outfit. Maybe that's his hubris, you know. Maybe that'll be his, not not exactly his downfall, but something he struggles with, you know. It
6: should be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's just a result of doing this premise with a very partial set of rights so most mm-hmm. of that stuff is not expanded upon in the lord of the rings so
2: you know they
6: and you know they did it for the plot reason that they mm-hmm. did it as well which is which in a way is rather clever which is gil is giving galadriel like a
2: golden ticket a
6: forced, va- a forced vacation almost really <laughs> like oh she's kind of she's kind of a troublemaker in a way so we'll like give her a promotion yeah, yeah. you being promoted
0: yeah. to Siberia. Get out of here. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> thing. Uh, I, no, yeah. really,
6: it is. It sounds kind of mercenary, but, you know. Uh, I
4: I honestly, like, I, I don't know which I was bugged by more. The fact that Gil-Galad chooses who goes mm-hmm. or the fact that, like, it made me like Gil-Galad less because, <laughs> you know, obviously his death at the end of this series is going to be a big moment and Elendil I'm not as worried about I feel like you know that's a that's a loss that will will feel but like if Gil Gallat is kind of set up to be kind of a jerk then you know I I always v- envisioned him again you know this is you know kind of yeah. my where where your own headcanon comes in but um I envisioned him as almost like a father figure for Elrond who has this tendency to lose father figures and that that would mm-hmm. be you know, the final father figure that he loses yeah. and that would be a big moment. But if he's kind of like, you yeah. know, not a bad guy, but a little more antagonistic, then you know, his death won't won't be a sad, as sad of a moment as it could be.
6: Yeah, but you know, King Lear is a jerk in you know, like, you know. That's, these kinds of tragic royal characters are often like that uh, they're a little bit manipula- manipulative. I do think your point is well taken in so far as that we probably should have gotten to know him for a couple of scenes before this. So it's like, oh, he has no choice, it was the better thing to do for the better yeah. of the, for the greater good and you know, make a big dilemma out of it. Yeah. Uh yeah. We the good thing get, is that uh,
4: we've uh, got plenty of time before the last alliance. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we
3: do, right.
0: right. But you want and to And I think maybe the right
3: they part. wanted to contrast you do, but I I feel like maybe they wanted to contrast, you know, Elrond's just general kindness and generosity to, and he's still portrayed as being politically very successful. Like he he exhibits a lot of confidence before he goes into Casa Doom. He's like, yeah, so this is what I do best.
2: Uh, and on the made, other hand, yeah, we
3: have yeah but but still like he's supposed to yeah. be pretty pretty cunning and on the other hand maybe they just want to establish Gil gallard as this more experienced a little bit more manipulative ruthless politician um yeah, but I don't like it i I yeah it's in his character description they've talked it's about strange. it in interviews yeah, it but is. i'm I'm not a big fan of it i I feel One like it's is, it's it's a missed opportunity. I mean this is this is an Elven king that's that's you know ruled for the longest like the the high king of the Noldor who who's ruled the longest and here they sort of portray him as I don't know even the fact that Elrond writes his uh writes speech, his speeches yeah. and everything that was a bit of a not choice for me yeah. in my it eyes makes that, him
4: feel kind of inept a little bit it a makes him bit. feel
3: inept yeah. and I I that, really dislike yeah. that
2: yeah so,
6: that yeah. and also i think something that aggravates it again some of the elves especially Gil sometimes guide very enunciatory, very actively very like it's meant to be actively because he's reading a speech and he's reading it to the people at large but it's it's kind of overly like uh you know like uh you know well, we yeah, but you know, fun. he
5: is—he is the politician, so he has yeah, to, but, you know. You do that. know but I, what I he, want to say, I perhaps, think he ends his uh,
6: speech with, with raising his arms like this. Mm-hmm.
0: Or
5: something. He is theatrical, but that's—that's that's elves, man. <laughs> elves can be theatrical. Yeah, they gotta um, be a little
0: bit extra, or else they wouldn't be elves.
5: Yeah, so yeah, they gotta be at least a little bit extra. You know, he's the high king of Noldor. He has to be a bit more, a bit of extra. But what I want to say is. Um, First of all, I also do not agree with him being described um, and played as uh, and written as uh, manip- manipulative. But you know, um, we don't know what what they did with the timeline exactly. It's unclear, and obviously intentionally unclear. How much time has passed since the War of Wrath and since the old all the trauma they had in the First Age of? of the world so perhaps i could cut him some slack in the sense that he wants to be like he really wants to make sure that his people has all the best conditions in his own vision to you know um heal from everything to just prosper a bit to get, get have some a uh, nice time finally in the sense that they earned it so perhaps i could see that being like um, some sort of redemption redemptional trait for him why he why he is so strict in a way, why he's so tough maybe with all of this.
0: I'm going to play think... the devil's advocate uh, about this. You all are coming down real hard on what we've seen from gil so far. I'm going to give a different point of view. gil is the king, and it is the duty of a king to make really tough choices, right? He's got to pass judgment. He's got to make really hard decisions that not everybody's going to like. And I-, I know they use the word manipulative. We haven't seen anything truly manipulative yet. What we've seen him do is... Uh, withhold, maybe it's manipulative in a way, but imagine what would have happened if he told Galadriel, I do believe that Sauron's still out there. I do believe he's a danger, but I don't believe that you are the right person to keep going after him. I think you're going to cause more problems than you're going to fix, which is what he thinks. That's what we know Mm -hmm. he he believes. The consequence of that would have been Galadriel saying, screw you. You know, King you ain't no king of mine. Uh, I have to stay, right? That's how that interaction would have gone because he sees that she is totally hell bent on this one direction, this one task. And she's consumed almost with a Feanorian obsession uh, with going after Sauron. And so he perceives that and, and so doesn't, you know, divulge his full heart to her and his, his full thinking. He says, yeah. You're done. You know, you're done. You've done good. You're done. You know, you, you gotta go. Your your time mm-hmm. here is yeah. done. And so it is a bit of a manipulation, but it's also there's some wisdom in it. Um I, yeah. I, I think this is my devil's yeah. advocate
6: approach. It does it does help that Galadriel isn't I, I don't think the show is really criticizing Galadriel, really, but at the same time I think the audience inevitably is, because you know, her conduct in the forward wave not the most Laudable.
4: I think, I mean, I yeah, think yeah. we got, uh, you know, I. that's part of the reason I like the scene with Elrond and Galadriel in the forest was because yeah. Elrond doesn't back down to her when she, yeah. you know, he kind of like, and, and has a, uh, it's the first time she yeah. has a real conversation yes. with somebody. Yeah. And yes, I like the, the contrast. The yeah. I, I, I like the contrast between you know, the scene with Elrond and Durin. So two of my favorite scenes, Elrond and Durin and Elrond and Galadriel. Elrond and Durin, Elrond knows he's in the wrong. Like he knows he's screwed up and that he w- should have came and visited his friend sooner. And so he immediately congratulates him on his marriage and the birth of his children. And he admits that he's wrong. Whereas with Galadriel, he pushes right back. At her and she's saying you know you would have me go to the undying lands and you know have all this you know uh the ptsd basically Pain, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. yeah. and and Very elrond wish, says yeah. no that's the only place that can heal you like what's inside you and like i i like the fact that i i think that galadriel and elrond are going to be really important to each other and in turning into the characters that we know them as from the third age um, and especially perhaps Elrond to Galadriel in particular, um, but yeah, I, I I hope to see more uh, between them. I'm just a really big Elrond fan. Is basically what yeah. it comes down to.
6: Robert yes. has been crushing. It. I think Elrond does the Elrond has the balance mm-hmm. better than Gil Galad, certainly yeah. be better than Galadriel. Yeah. He is manipulative diplomatic. as well. Uh, he is very much so, and very knowingly so, both with Durin to some extent and with mm-hmm. Galadriel. But, you know, you feel more kind of, oh, you know, his heart is always in the right
0: place. Like, it's yeah. a manipulation that's rooted in empathy. Like, he's very yeah, empathetic yeah. when he's talking it's to. Very,
6: it's done very well.
3: Which is actually something they said about gil in interviews, that that's where his political yeah. cunning derives from. And I'm not seeing it with gil uh I'm absolutely seeing it with Elrond.
0: One yeah. thing that this change accomplishes, the putting the decision to allow people to go back to Valinor in the hands of Gilgalad, it makes Galadriel's choice to stay and continue pursuing Sauron much more acute. Uh, we in the books, her her staying is there is a sacrifice there. They're ramping that up to eleven and making it very clear, which they have to do in some way Sadly. to show, right? Yeah. Um, and so yeah. they're they're setting it up so that. Um, you can't go to Valinor unless I invite you. I'm inviting you. And she said, I, I'm dying to go. I wanna see the light of the two trees. I, I still see it on my face. I wanna go back. She said that. And Elrond says, you may never get this chance again. And so there's all these hints that mm-hmm. are telling us how important this is, how much mm-hmm. she wants it, and that she'll never get the chance again. And yet, because of her oath to her brother, the feeling of a task unaccomplished, uh, unfinished, um, the the PTSD that she is still suffering from inside, she can't go and she chooses to jump into the ocean,
6: Unfortunately, uh, probably knowing yeah. that it's likely mm-hmm. she would
0: die, but hoping against hope that she'll get back so she can finish her task. You know, that, that just makes it very, very clear what she's giving up to fulfill what she thinks is her duty. So, yeah. you know, respect, uh, I understand the choice.
5: Yeah. So for me, um, I, I really love all the points everybody has made on this. I just have to say from, like, an outside perspective, um, I hope that all of this is not uh, all these changes to this whole concept of going back to Valinor and all that, that they're not just, uh, like, a consequence of the decision of them wanting to get her accidentally to Numenor.
2: I hate. To... Yeah. But I because because that's, that, so
5: that, so that's a lot it. of bending of the lore and of everything. Just to the, If it's the only reason, we obviously, we only saw two episodes who knows what they have planned for us we always have to keep that in mind but if that's the, if that's like the main reason why we got all these changes to yeah. this whole concept just to get her accidentally to valinor did we then have to yeah. get her to and, valinor and, and, at, which is kind of the first point anyway yeah
4: it's kind of odd because i mean we know in in the books like gil sends a warning to the numenoreans mm-hmm. saying like yeah so, you know there's evil rising again and it could have been as exactly. simple as like hey galadriel take this message or mm. elrond you know as we said we would kind of like that to be elrond but like Take this message to Numenor. You know that would have been yeah
3: a exactly. Lot and that was economical, time-wise. That was something that we've actually speculated when we first heard right. that she would be traveling to Numenor. Yeah. We yes. have all these theories. Would be, why would she the get there? Intro, how, how? Yeah. Why would she get there? How she would get there? We speculated she would be sent as an envoy, mm-hmm. etc. And I think a lot of our theories were actually more plausible and lore-friendly than <laughs> the actual solution that they came up with. And I also just wanted to to say one more about you know sending the these good soldiers or i don't know adventurers or whatever to valinor don't these people have families like everybody yeah, just everybody weird. just left i mean we know that the elves <clears throat> get married pretty early in life right w- would they just leave their families or were they all you know single well and also just, what about all the out...
0: attendants on the ship yeah yes
3: exactly yeah <laughs> to, to do my they go back it, to middle earth
2: no,
5: yeah, they, yeah maybe, maybe, maybe that's there, you know.
3: Behind Galadriel. They
5: are uh, ah. they're, they're just the line, you know, that goes, you know, Valinor, Linden, yeah. you know, but there and back again. That's just very, like they're what, they, what they do. Weird.
6: And it's also, it has other implications, which is, uh, speaking of people being married, uh, Galadriel can't be married to Celeborn if she's leaving Middle Earth without him. Yeah. I think that'll be a, be a I mean she does him. she does later though. She leaves without him
4: later. Yeah.
3: She does, but yeah, she but, wouldn't you know, just it's, it's leave like, without even mentioning his husband if yeah, she were married. like right, she's,
6: right. she's going on the on the buses. He's he's going on the next one. So it's, it's yeah, like so it's I like, saw someone. I think uh, in one
4: of my live chats made the joke like, "What happens when Celeborn returns?" And it's like, "So where's my wife?" <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> oh yeah, we sent
2: her off.
3: <laughs> well, all right, so, forgot
0: to tell you. Sorry, man. no funny no, I,
3: story. I think this is this is making it quite clear that. It's not going to be Elrond and Calabrian who are going to be the big romance of this show, which I, I expected it to be. Yeah. Which I we were hoping for. I yeah. think I it's going to be too, yeah. Galadriel and Caliborn who are yeah, yeah. yet to meet. Yeah. Which so, has all sorts think... of implications, of course. But I think, you know, them presenting her as this heroine. I, what, I, what I'm what i afraid of, and somebody brought it up on our Discord actually earlier today, what I'm afraid of is us having this sort of vengeful Galadriel, a uh, 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 warrior Galadriel, I mean, until she ultimately gets married and, you know, has a family right. and suddenly her quench for adventure and for revenge is, you know, completely... Um, I don't don't don't
6: mind that conceptually because, you know, the lifestyle that she's leading at the moment isn't really healthy. And so, you know,
3: of course, but I want, I want, yeah, but I don't want this to come from a family, from a child. This gives, this gives out some very, very unhealthy ideas about, you know, when, when it's a good time to be a parent. And I just don't want them to go this way. I want her to resolve. Yeah, yeah. I want this to be a result of her maturing. To I want this to be a result of her decision. So I want her to go like, okay, maybe this is not too healthy for me. Um, and her willingly giving the quests to find Sauron to other people. Yeah, which my, she in a way yeah. does with with Elrond in in the in the first episode. But um, yeah. wait, she's not quite there yet.
4: My my hope is that like, because I like I said, I think Elrond will be pivotal in Galadriel's. Mm-hmm ongoing arc and I think that it could be uh powerful stuff if uh Celeborn is that way as well like a lot of you know a lot of people yeah, say agree. like why don't do, why does issue. someone so great as Galadriel you know settle with Celeborn and I think it's it could be interesting you know to show off his wisdom you know a bit that's and, true
6: uh he, Celeborn is one yeah. of the great uh, kind of blank slates because yeah you know he's he's just kind of there and this show has an opportunity, it's one of the ways in which it's disappointing not to have him from the start, which is, uh, you know, Galadriel is to some extent, you know, an own quantity or too, but Kellborn isn't, Kellborn is a blank slate. They could have done a lot to Kellborn. But uh, uh, that's why I,
5: I, I want to yeah. ask you, uh, the, the, so just, just to expand on that, do you guys think that now given this whole, okay, I'm leaving without talking or mentioning my husband or potentially my daughter, uh, do you think that there is now still an actual chance that they are married and that he is oh, out there maybe know. maybe in in this uh, Lorand you know yeah. like pre laloran or something I, like that I, like, I, do you see do you see that happening at some point? It,
4: but yeah. <laughs> I think I think maybe. if we if if there's a chance of no, us really. seeing so her, her as far as her daughter goes, I think the best chance of seeing her would be if there's a time jump between the fall of mm. Numenor and. Yeah the last uh you know the whole last alliance storyline so I like if if they jump in time a hundred years or something then
6: they could have had a daughter dead, so at that no. point <laughs> what's that that means that nori will be dead so it won't happen
3: yeah yeah I know. yeah. but the question
5: yeah, is wow well, how long why do they go with that storyline so it would make sense yeah. if they drop.
4: Bits at some yeah. point, yeah. I
5: don't
3: think they will. You don't just characters drop a whole storyline like that, I think. yeah.
0: You don't do I think it. They should. I would <laughs> love it I if don't they think dropped. I would love it if they dropped because they're going to happen. add characters, right? I don't think we're, yeah, stuck with these 23 main characters are going to be adding characters. Or we're going to lose yeah. characters, yeah. We're, we're going to lose characters, characters but, but not one
3: one fourth of the main plot line. Yeah, we're not going to lose
6: them because,
5: yeah, but you can still what you can what you can do with uh the Harfords is. They can there can be a time jump or they can be no. two time jumps, and so we can see generations because as they migrate across Middle Earth, we're seeing something like that. That's perhaps. not compelling. Story kind of that one we... time jump you can no, do.
6: It's bad drama. People,
2: uh, so you people don't get it. Really yeah,
5: but Sorry. Yeah, but you can if you do that only to Harfoots and you. So you and have uh, boars who can live in, like two hundred and three years, and you and you have elves and you have Numenorians, and these are the very young. Um, Anorian is. Obviously even younger. Um, you can have the main most of your main cast still be alive in a hundred years from now like this, no problem. Except the Harvest. So I, I don't think I don't think they would do that, but I think there is definitely room for that to make sense in the context I don't think of they, the
4: show. I don't think they need Harf. I mean, to be full disclosure, I don't, disclosure, think, they I don't think they needed him to need. start with, but like come the War of the Last Alliance. I mean, I don't know, maybe Hen wants uh, some battalioned. Harfoots marching in the Last <laughs> Alliance or something. Oh no! But the, I think they, they could be they phased out. What
6: I want, but no, they, <laughs> they don't won't.
3: need them for. They don't need them in the grand scheme of things. Obviously, I mean, they weren't a part of the a part of the main story of the Last Alliance or of the fall of Numenor. But if you if you put in Harfoots in order to anchor the audiences to something that that they know and love from the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, you don't just take these characters who are a sort of uh, audience. Yeah, exactly, surrogates. You don't just take them away after a few seasons, in my opinion. You build up this plot line with really, really, <laughs> with <laughs> no. really, I mean, I would prefer not to have them here at all, but now that we do have them, I'm one of the people who really like them in the show. They've, they've surprised me a lot, and I find them very endearing. Um, and I don't see them just eliminating oh all these, all these hard foods that we've, yeah. We're presumably yeah. gonna grow to like, I, yeah. I, I don't they don't, don't have to eliminate
5: them, them. We can, we can just see yeah, them on. maybe grow up. Like, you know, you have, yeah. uh, the okay, Han is gonna love this. You have the movie Excalibur, and there you follow, um, Arthur from you know his yeah, that's teenage that's years that's for to when okay. he's like a middle aged man, and you can, you see that just I in like Span- two work? two ep- of like two. and a half hours for me it works it tells the story of king arthur but let's not go into analysis at that point. but but they can do that and maybe they maybe maybe they want to get if i may uh (laughs) maybe they want to get the hobbits to (laughs) to settle in the area of anduin and set up uh what happens to a certain smeagol and deagle fellows you know two and a half thousand years later so maybe and that would make sense to maybe still you know, maybe some of the older Hobbits that we know now will die off of old age if there's a time job, but we can then have uh, Nori and Hobbit. what's her friend's name? Um, you know, in like 50, 60, 70 years from now, they will still be, they could still be alive. Like, Hobbits reach 100 yeah, years easily. So they could still be alive if they're like now in the 30s. They could yeah, but be two there. Two things,
6: Friday. One is you have to recast yep. them. And if you, you don't recast characters if you can help it you just don't and uh, the same is true of Theo as well uh you don't recast characters if you can help it and the other thing is you don't just if if you're dropping characters you don't do it because 100 years have passed off screen and they all died off screen you kill them see the difference
4: you could you could phase them can, out in a graceful their, their options. way show them show them yeah. as elderly and like yeah. a passage if of the time the audience really hates I mean, them which they do yeah. uh yeah. No, but yeah. you could you could do it in a <laughs> in a tasteful way. I think, and you can I can do it. In, hmm? I think Smart. I think they're not, you know, pivotal to the show as as we've established. They're not pivotal to the as show. No. I think but there could be. come a time where they could be phased out, and we don't need the hobbits anymore. And I will say, I I found them more enjoyable than I ever thought that I would. Yeah. So in full disclosure, I enjoyed I them much them more than arrest. I thought I would. Yeah. I still think they're unnecessary and yeah. would be totally okay with them being phased out so that the big boys can play and we can, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. get into the real stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're uh, concluding this conversation. <laughs> the meat of the conversation, talking about hardfoot genocide, whether or not it's dramatically uh, yeah. acceptable. Confirm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want but, the uh, thing that happens we get to <laughs> the our collar,
6: That's what I want. Go. Uh, right. I'm sorry,
4: I forgot we had collars too. they we must have be we waiting have, forever. I think we just oh have gosh. one. Yeah,
0: let's um, so let's do that. Let's do a uh, let's do a couple. I have a couple rapid fire questions. There are some little mysteries, Easter eggs that uh, we're going to be tracking, and so I want your quick rapid fire responses. So first one, you know, we're on Nazgul watch. Which car- have we seen any Nazgul in the show, and who do you think it is, Matt? Let's start with you.
4: Yes, I think we've definitely seen Nazgul. Um, I personally would like to see Halbrand turn out to be the Witch
0: King. Yes, yes, Lakitia,
3: I agree with that, and I also think one of the characters we haven't yet seen has the potential of becoming a Nazgul or several. I especially suspect Pharaoh's son or possibly even Arian. Uh, yeah, I really wouldn't
2: know, but
6: Pharaoh's son, yeah, it could be. Uh, the one thing that I'll go with Hellbrand as well, I think just, I don't think the showrunners want us to have the image that under one of these hoods is either, you know, a pretty girl or a a little boy, which would be the case of Theo. Oh, but a pretty man is okay? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I get, yeah, you know what I'm getting at though, right? Uh, I think it's just uh, you know, like there's a certain like. I think by the time it would under be the kind bed, of be pretty anything. Yeah, it would be kind <laughs> of it, it. would be kind of twisted uh, to do it that way. And the overall of the show for me is sadly not very twisted. And so you know,
5: I would say for me, uh, I definitely hope that Halbrand is not Sauron. That he ends up being Witch King. Yeah. I really, really hope for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nothing screams Sauron. Everything screams a man who has problems and may end up being tempted, tempted for whatever reason, into becoming a wraith, uh, a ring wraith. But I, I do hope, and I do, I do think, if I had to make a bet, I would, uh, I would, that uh, Theo will be will end up being Kamul. I think there's definitely a lot of potential there, given his origin being one of the Easterlings. It's not clear uh, whether the Easterlings from the Silmarillion are for sure the Easterlings from the later ages, but they may be making that connection, and as such, Easterling Camel, the Easterling is his name. So I could definitely see that happening, and also given with the sword and everything. And also it would play into my uh, theory that we will indeed have a time jump. And maybe even, I know what Han said, and I know you, you're... I, It is uncommon to recast people intentionally in the middle of a show, but we haven't exactly had a show like this that covers potentially several hundred years. So maybe they will go about that with Theo, for Um, example.
6: That's true, but I'm going to say something very, very not nice about this show. This show is extremely conventional in its style. Extremely so. And so to have all these non-conventional... What we've seen so far has been incredibly conventional. And so... uh, to have all these super unconventional story choices, like a tangent that requires recasting a major role is not something that I see these showrunners having in them at all. It's extremely conventional.
5: Well, true, but you know, we are here as you now and oh, I'm okay. hoping Theo ends up being Kamul and Halbrand is the witch king. And yeah, potentially Kamen uh,
0: sure.
3: yeah. yeah. Our, our rapid our next, fire round isn't so rapid. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Let's get to our next rapid fire question. It is more rapid uh, than
5: so far. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: this one I'm calling: Who is Theo's daddy, and what does he do? It's oh. Self-explanatory. <laughs> Don't ask me to use an Arnold Schwarzenegger accent when I say that. So let's again let's tee it up, Matt. Who's Theo's daddy?
4: Um, if we I think the only candidate we have so far would be Halbrand. I think. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. That's my That's best cool. guess is yeah. like Halbrand could be could be maybe could be. Kittia, do you agree?
3: Yeah, I agree, especially given that we even got like a little line about Theo's dad and the other boy saying, "Yeah, yeah. you don't even know what happened to him." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and, and Halbrand is you know being spoken of as somebody who's running from his past. Yeah, I I I see that. I happening. think it's
6: possible. Yeah, it's weird, but I can see it, yeah. Mhm.
5: Yeah, so there's that problem if he ends up being Sauron <laughs> and Theodred. Like, what no. what is happening?
7: <laughs> yeah, uh, but I mean, like
5: so far that. of all the characters we've seen, it has to be Hal- either Halbrand or somebody else. Um, a lot of people think that or uh, Arondir may be the father, but I think it's no. You know, if you read through the dialogue, it's it's not. They hadn't they haven't actually, you know, even again. said uh, clearly that they love each other. Like they didn't actually you know, do anything active on that whole front. So uh, I think it's either Halbrand or somebody else.
3: And he kind of mentions
5: who have, having having we had seen. a
3: father when he was younger, you know, and then his father. Yeah. Died, so I think yeah. he remembers the father. Yeah. Um, he's just not around anymore because he's, you know, off gallivanting with Galadriel. All
6: right. At the same, same time, it feels weird. I don't know. Something about it doesn't feel right.
0: We'll see. So this show, the showrunners, say what you will of them, they love putting in Easter eggs. There's a lot of Easter eggs in here for eagle-eyed viewers, people who like the lore, whether it's in costumes or um, the the settings, uh, language, there's a lot of little stuff in there. So let's go around the horn and uh, give me your favorite little Easter egg. It doesn't have to be a big part of the plot or anything like that, just something that you spotted that you just love that nod, that, that tip of the cap to the diehards. Matt, how about you?
4: Fairly certain. Twice we have seen the Dragon Helm of Dor Loman in mm-hmm. the show. Um, first episode, it was in the the woods. Uh it looked like um, as the camera came from behind Galadriel off to the left of the screen, there was a character carved uh, holding the Dragon Helm, which I'm pretty sure would be Fingon, based on um, the fact that he's the one who gives it to the men of Dor Loman. And then in the second episode, it was uh, the dwarf kids with the big helmets. One of them was the Dragon Helmet Dorloman. I even wore it. It's my shirt today, the Dragon Helmet Dorloman. I, <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> love The Children of Huron. Folks who are familiar with my channel will know that that is my favorite Tolkien book. Um, it's a downer, but I still love it.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great.
0: Um, yeah, all of us Tolkien fans, we think we love high fantasy, but we really just like the grinning <laughs> <laughs> depressing storylines yes. as much as the next Gilles person you charged.
3: Charged. <laughs>
2: okay, uh, you.
3: i don't know that, that i necessarily have anyone i liked uh, you know seeing the statues of luthien and everything um i really like the fan or's hammer and the fact that it got jewels mm. ingrained on it I, I i thought that was a really nice touch Um, but yeah, apart from that I think I'm pretty much blanking so nothing particular comes to mind
0: good ones, Hen. how about you? yeah,
2: I also
6: don't, I didn't like watch it with a keen eye on those sorts of things, I'm trying to think of something a little bit more um, I would say the dwarven the dwarven faces perhaps but it's not uh, the design is a little hokey for me Okay, just a I tiny one. I,
3: I remember that a tiny one. Oh, yeah. Uh I forgot. I ki- I kind of liked how um Finrod says at the beginning something along the lines of I'm not always gonna be around and stuff. I thought that was a really nice callback to you know how he um to some of his foretellings that he has in, in the Silmarillion. So I kind of appreciated that as well. Mm
5: uh well I, I have two actually yeah so so the first one is that on on that really cool shot of numenor that we got few back apparently uh the statue has um
2: also.
5: narsil from i the thought movies. about mentioning
6: that but because it's a future episode I yeah like
5: but, but but like from the from the movies so i think yeah so the question is whether it's just an easter egg or there's actually going to some, some there's actually going to be something happening there so that's the first part that comes to mind especially because i love and uh, and the whole thing just you know, look at the nickname um, but the second is um and i, I saw this today so the constellation oh, yeah that yeah. a galadriel sees and apparently that the meteor man or like the stranger that he did with the fireflies is Valakirka, the famous constellation that Varda created as like a sign for the elves and like a symbol of hope and everything. So I think that was really neat that they did that. So yeah, those are my two topics.
0: That, you know what, you just hit on the one that I was gonna say as well. And uh, this is one of the things I really appreciate about the show. So I saw that, oh, and I, you know, here in America, we call that the Big Dipper. I saw the Big Dipper and I had forgotten you know, that was something I knew once read in Hammond's skull that the, you know, the constellations that are referred to um, are real. throughout Tolkien's yeah. legendarium that they're referring to the big dipper. And I, I have totally forgotten that. So put on Twitter, it's like, are there any references to to the big dipper in here? And, and digital Tolkien chimed in and it's just great that this show is bringing things back, you know, deep pieces of knowledge that we forget. Um, it, and I think there are going to be a lot of moments like that. So that was my Easter egg as well. I, I loved its inclusion and it sort of, Uh, brought back a piece of information that i had forgotten and i'm going to re-enjoy that from the text now so that's great i think uh it's time we got a caller or two kyle um who are we going to hear from next are or are they still waiting (laughs) or maybe they went to go get some pizza or something hello hello
7: hi hi Hi. Hi. my name's Deborah. welcome thank you thank
0: you
7: Um, Hello. Yeah, thanks so much. I've been listening sort of all night and reading all the comments and everything. So I'm learning loads and loads and loads. So it's awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening.
0: Time. Thank
5: you so very much. Did very you have nice.
0: a, a comment or, or a question about the, uh, the show?
7: Yeah, it's just, it's more of a observation, I guess, and knowing that we've got five wizards sort of coming through at different times and knowing the condensed timeline, and maybe they might all be coming through at the same time period in this version. Um, We did spot that there were five meteor shots throughout, so what do you think about maybe all five wizards coming down at the same time? And we mm-hmm. are only seeing one because we did try to figure out the trajectory of the meteor mm-hmm. from where it was, yeah. and um, yeah. and it didn't line up entirely.
2: Yeah, so that got I, our
7: minds thinking a little bit, and we're trying to figure out what possible is sorry. I, it's yeah. a currently.
6: I think it's one meteor. I think it's that's, just that's a great
5: if
0: question. That, yeah, who yeah. hey, yeah. should take it?
6: I think oh, it's that's, a, that's a really good question. Thank, you, thank me, you, you so much for this. It is visible from, say, Tiharad and from Linden, quite far north, is just a conceit so that all the characters see it. It's a little bit like how Mount Doom really shouldn't be visible from the Black Gate and Erebor shouldn't be visible from the Carrack, but it makes sense dramatically for us to see them there, and so we do. And it's the same thing here. We see it because it makes sense dramatically for the characters across all the storylines, or as many of them as possible. I see it.
3: But it would have been such a nice plot twist, you know. We All this time, we just think there's one, one person arriving mm. on a oh, meteor. Right. and
6: Even more contrivances.
2: We,
4: we might end up, you know, I, I'm crossing my fingers that he's a blue wizard and that, you know, all of a sudden we'll, yes. we'll find out there is actually two.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and it would make it. I know there have been a lot of rumors. Yeah, uh, Man I, is, uh, and, uh, there, which I think I he have is. feelings yes. about that. It would make it much more palatable for Meteor Man to be Gandalf if all five are coming down, right? <laughs> if, you know, that would make it a little easier oh, yeah. to swallow if we, if we do get some. What if? There,
5: there is also that. Um, I saw some people already pointing that out. Um, that Maury asks him, Are there more of your people? Do you want to find them? right maybe that's the like a uh, hint that's you know he will maybe find his people of course can, that can that can end up being sauron uh certainly the things that he was mumbling theories do point that he's maybe looking for sauron but i i do like i don't think this is I i don't think this is happening that we are getting five yeah. of them <laughs> <It's a long laughs> But trip. it would, uh, <laughs> as michael just said like it would probably make more sense like it, it, it would it would make it a uh, pun intended or not intended <laughs> Uh, it would make it perhaps easier to get over the fact that it's Gandalf bumping into Harfoots, if it's like all five of them probably, but it would be definitely a strange choice mm-hmm. story-wise. That's mm-hmm. a really good question, especially because I think the editing isn't, uh, it's not that we have see day, day, night, night, night or something, it's uh, those five shots, not, it's not like the the day doesn't doesn't have the same progression, like it's day, day, night, day, day, or something like that. When pe- when people are seeing it in those scenes, so that's, I guess, a point to the theory. Yeah.
7: yeah, no, that's that's probably us looking way too much into it. Like I think someone mentioned, sorry about an introvert thing. I was like, exactly, yeah, we all are. Yeah, hey, this
3: much was much. a it was a really good question. It certainly got us thinking. So, <laughs> thank you so much for.
0: Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, definitely. I, I do like the idea. If we get all five, I'd like the idea thank that you. of the constellation. Is uh, they're like, all right, we're all going to go to Middle Earth and then meet up at this constellation. And mm-hmm. right? it's like you're meeting people in uh, the parking garage, like, hey, G5, <laughs> that's where we're, we're parked, right? That's what that constellation is. So, great question, Kyle. Who's our next caller? Oh, hi, guys. Long time listener,
4: first time caller. <laughs> I just want to thank you all for doing this panel today thank you matt for being on literally everything since the show (laughs) dropped but my question for you guys is if you could pick out any one standout thing from the first two episodes whether that be a particular acting job or a scene or a location that kind of blew you away uh or surpassed your expectations what would that be and um can lakithia please say one nice thing about the dwarves thank you guys (laughs)
3: <laughs> the answer to your last question is no um, plain and simple uh, as far okay no I'll say some nice things about the dwarves they were wonderfully uh, cast they were the actors did tremendous jobs all three of the, the ones that we see uh, the most they're absolutely they're delightful and they, they ec- exceeded all my expectations uh, but still the elves are obviously much 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 superior um, to answer the the first question for me, um the one thing that surprised me the most, and I, I know I've spoken about this before is how much I like the Harfoot and what an absolutely delightful performance Marcella Cavanaugh gave. Um, I certainly didn't expect to to like any Harfoot character as much as I do her, and I absolutely do. Also, Poppy is also amazing Megan Richards. Uh, and of course, I have to mention Sir Lenny Henry, his set of Burrows is just chef's kiss
0: that how about you
4: um so i'll take the bait here and i'm gonna say, <laughs> this is my actual opinion though i'm just giving barking <laughs> a hard time um so Kazad doom hands down is the um the strongest the now. worst thing in the show absolutely it is the strongest like <laughs> the music when that when oh. that bear McCreary track hit hits and yeah um you know yeah. Elron comes in and uh, witnesses the splendor. I felt like in that moment things were clicking for me because we had the character I was most interested in that I thought was being realized particularly well in Elrond coming into, uh, arguably the best visualized uh kingdom that we've seen thus far in Casa Doom. And then, yeah. it helped that Region you know,
6: was cool too, but we spoke for so little, yeah,
4: um, yeah. yeah. I, I just i thought everything was clicking there and you know it it only got better with durin and elrond's like i said the high watermark is their their conversation on the lift um so yeah i'm i'm most i'm most anxious to see numenor be revealed next week and then uh more of khaza and elrond and durin
6: i think i think the reason why it is and i think it's clearly the best part um one is the presence of elrond that we see it for elrond and mm-hmm. two, that it takes they take time with it. Finally, something yeah. that takes time with both the reveal with a very nicely constructed camera movement that starts mm-hmm. against the wall and opens up gradually to a very big wide, and uh, also the scenes that follow they take time. Yeah. And, you know.
4: and Ken, it's almost like you're saying that you know uh, Elrond in this situation is acting as a very successful audience surrogate. Almost as if we Very, might yeah. not need multiple audience surrogates going forward, maybe.
6: Yeah, but you need... yeah, sadly. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just like kidding. I'm,
4: I'm just feeding the, feeding
6: yeah, the debate. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I like... yeah. <laughs> so, right if, right.
5: if I may... I, I would definitely agree with everybody. Kazadoom uh, was absolutely fantastic. Like, seriously, and that track is definitely in my top three. Um, I'm not sure what's on the second place or what's the, uh, what's the third member of it, but it's doom and Numenor for me. Those two are absolutely fantastic. Uh, so I loved Casadum. Um, I think all the, all the four storylines we had, or like all the four locations, let's say, I love, I like all, all of them. Uh, Lindon was also pretty spectacular. Uh, but I think all, all the locations did what they were supposed to do. They gave us what they were supposed to give us. You know, a random villain is supposed to be so it's not impressive. But uh, I say, yeah, uh, Robert Ramirez absolutely nailed it as, as Elrond and his interaction with the dwarves and Caleb Brimber was so lovely. Uh, it it was on so many levels. Like, it's, it's obvious why he is so far the fan favorite. However, I have to say, um, Casa Doom is awesome, but I think it's going to move to the second place after the next episode, because next episode we're gonna see Numenor, and Numenor that's is right, gonna, how yeah. okay. to say, I, I uh, you know, knock right. it out part. So, yeah. uh, my that, That's my hope, at least. So.
6: I think Eregion has a good stand there, too. Well,
5: not Charlie. Really. Well, I say, mean, Numenor place, is the greatest it mortal civilization, so. True.
0: I'll say Varking. My Matt, you were gonna say place, something. It'll be no surprise. Casa Doom. You know, my bromance with Varking runs deep and at its <laughs> core is a mutual love of the dwarves. So I've loved all, everything dwarves <laughs> that I've seen so far. Owain um, Arthur is just crushing it as an actor. I would, I would probably tie him with uh, Elrond. I love those characters. Although I got to give a uh, tip of the hat to Morbeth Clark. But everything about the character of Galadriel, her performance mm-hmm. has been really nuanced. There's a lot going on in the eyes, really subtle stuff going on there. So I, mm-hmm. I love her acting performance. Um, and I'll say, throw something in here. Favorite friendship. I like Elrond and Jordan. I like what's going on there, but I'll say I'm surprised at how much I am enjoying the Poppy and Nori friendship. I thought it was going to be campy and just kind of uh, saccharine and, and goofy, but I, it's working for me. I'm enjoying their relationship. It's not exactly Marion and mm-hmm. Pippin, but it reminds me a little bit of that. So uh, that, that's one of my favorites. So, Totally not Varking. <laughs> thanks for uh, uh tuning in. I hope you're enjoying Music Power. I know this is all new to you. Clearly, you've never, you know, don't know anything about the the show we're talking. So, thanks for tuning true. in. True.
2: Bye.
5: <laughs> as as you heard, as you heard, uh, the faction to look for, to look out for in the show is the dwarves. So, if you're interested in the in the dwarves, this is the show for you. Please, you know, continue tuning yes. in. Yeah.
0: And I think we've got one more caller. And before we take that caller, I want to just remind people, this is your last chance to put in a super chat and get entered into the raffle to win Justin Girard's piece, the Battle for Moria. Um, so get those in. This will be our last caller. And then we're going to do the drawing for the raffle. So get in your super chats. I don't think there've been too many. So you have pretty good odds of, of winning that awesome piece. And uh, and of course, I'll remind you again, go to his store and, and support Justin Girard. So... Kyle, give us a Bob. Is that our next caller?
1: Can you guys hear me? Yes. So, um, I yes. Have Hello. A um, thank you. I have a question. So I want. So. so I. So, um, so what do you guys think about? Um, like I know that right now we we um that we're in the middle of um uh, Hamilton and and um and this show like 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 in your opinion without being biased um which show which show do which show do you think it's gonna not it only to be better because both shows to me they look they they, they they they're they're really good but one show had uh had had like move both shows have movie budget, but did but with the power to me feels like a movie You don't feel like the tv show it feels more like the a full-out experience that that you need to go out to the theater the sheet or um so like what's your take on on it mm-hmm. mm.
0: bob thank you so much for your question i know that that's on the mind of every uh rings of power fan how is this going to measure up to house of the dragon so um uh, Matt, i mean every fantasy fan thoughts? you know and I don't, I don't know that we can <laughs> promise to be unbiased. And it's going to be impossible and totally objective. But we are going to do our Yeah, best. um Matt, Matt, what do So, you think? I'm probably not the best person to
4: answer this because I, I've only ever seen half an episode of one Game of Thrones episode. It's just yeah, not my up, thing. Yeah. It's just not Ooh. my thing. Um, so, <sighs> yeah, I, I can't measure it up. I can say that I took my three boys, um, aging from. Ranging from ages eleven to six to the Rings of Power first two episodes at um, the theater screening, and they all really enjoyed it. And it sparked a thirty-minute conversation on the way home um, about you know them theorizing who the stranger was, and then we got to talking about the wizards and why they were sent and how they were sent, um, and. Just all these deeper lore questions that you know. As as I said, the oldest is eleven. So to have them that interested in Tolkien, um, mm-hmm. that that has already been worth the price of admission for you know getting them to sit down and watch this show with me. That they not only enjoy it, but I'm I'm planting seeds for a a love of Tolkien that is already blossoming thanks to this show. Oh,
6: that's nice. Yeah, I'm on the same boat in so far. Reproducing a whole new crop of talking fans. Yeah, I'm on the same boat in so far that I haven't seen much of Thrones. Which is, it's like Game of Thrones and crime dramas are two things that I find very, very unattractive from an audience standpoint. Um, it's just uninvolving to me, but the aesthetic is much, much more in, much much more inviting to me than the more fairy tale quality that that uh the rings of power is imbued with and the very uh, family friendly quality that's imbued with uh that's less the sort of thing that i like in my no it's true i like stuff like i like apocalypse now i like you know harsh stuff um so you know um yeah. so yeah but it's it's i like the aesthetic more but the characters less so
3: all right so i've seen i've seen both uh i've read i've read all the books so good, yeah
0: good. Nobody on this panel
3: is <laughs> uh, i love how hank can go on a complete five minutes rant <laughs> about a show he hasn't seen uh, <laughs> so i i actually think that the house of the dragon benefits a lot from being much more condensed much more streamlined uh with with um the rings of power we're two episodes in and we're still you know We're still in the middle of setup. Yeah. Uh, House of the Dragon throws you in the middle of the action from the get-go. So I think House of the Dragon benefits from being uh, a bit more gripping. Um, You're in the thick of the action immediately. But on the other hand, after I'm done watching House of the Dragon, okay, I'm done. After I'm done watching The Rings of Power, I'm just like thinking about it. I mean, obviously, I'm more invested with the IP as it is but i think uh, the rings of power is a, sh- a show that stays with you more at least it stays with me more in terms of uh, acting uh i i think both are cast pretty well um but i would say that house of the dragon has performances that blew my mind more and i think it's 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 obviously cast with bigger names as well um so i think it it possibly takes the cake a little bit on that front
0: so I'm going to jump in and then uh, uh, so I'll let you close out this question. Yeah. Please. Yep. <laughs> so I, I've also seen both and read, read all the books. I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. I always have been. I love how different it is from Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. It just scratches a totally different itch for me. Um, and I, I will say, so I'm going to preface my answer by saying House of the Dragon has a much easier job yes. because Game of the Thron- Game of Thrones was not too long ago. It set up the universe. And although House of the Dragon is a prequel, it's much closer in time. You still have similar houses that are being named, similar cities. The mm-hmm. Rings of Power, you don't have any of that. We've seen Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, but it's a completely different world, different cities. You know, a lot of what we know, it doesn't set it up. So they have to, <coughs> excuse me, they have to they have to set up the whole mm-hmm. world in, for Rings of Power. So I think House of the Dragon's job is a little bit easier, which is why, as a result, I think their first episode, it was just almost a near perfect episode it was like peak game of thrones mm-hmm. narratively it was just very very tight set up the conflicts and the characters very efficiently and compellingly it was almost a perfectly written episode for that type of product um so uh, you know if i had to compare them on that front i i think house of the dragons inaugural episode was just excellent it was really really good whereas rings of power clearly is a little bit more uneven we're still figuring it out we're still getting our mm-hmm. footing house of the dragon already has its footing uh, because of the background they already have um but being the biased person that i am i'm always going to prefer rings of power because it's uh, a glimpse into a world that i've just been dying to go back to for 20 years so uh, my answer is i guess a, a bit of a bit of both but i think that one will be a palette cleanser for the other we've had a lot of game of thrones a lot of dark tv and rings of power promises to be uh you know a little high fantasy that i think the world needs right now and very I well
2: I said
5: I yes i think you all made uh, great points um i have seen i have watched the i watched i have watched game of thrones i haven't yet uh started watching uh, house of the dragon uh obviously i'm definitely uh, way uh, bigger of a nerd when it comes to the lord of the rings i like that my that my thing um so yeah the thing is uh as as you guys have said um house of the dragon has the advantage of being already an established world and that that world is in i think many ways Or like this in some ways uh more simpler than than the world than than middle earth because middle earth has this you know even like this underlying religious uh, layer to it you know like the life after death the mortality versus immortality the soul and things like that and uh as far as i know the world of uh ice and fire um doesn't really go that much into that it's more um low fantasy is more uh realistic in a way it touches on on the more realistic concepts while um the stories that Tolkien usually deals with and you know these stories here that we will be um watching in this show um they are more mythological so it's it's like for me i think probably a good comparison would be comparing star wars to star trek one is kind of trying to be based in like this more real setting in a way that's being that star trek and we have star wars that has you know the force this cosmic uh for cosmic concept that uh, is all around us it has some sort of a magic and so on
0: all right well we're pretty much closed out here but we wanted to come back on uh, a to let uh matt tell people where they can find him uh but also we have you know the winner of the raffle and we have some stuff to give away so that's you know the giveaways are really really important here that we want to bribe you to come back next week so so yeah matt where can people find your content
4: we'll dissect it immediately afterwards and i have breakdowns coming out the the very next day and regular lore videos on saturday so i've got i've got your weekend covered with tolkien nerdiness um so yeah there you go
0: (laughs) you're just uh prolific you're i mean you're prolific with your production right now i think we're all just excited Absolutely. Know, pump out as much as we can, because we're never going to get as good of an opportunity to talk about talking you know, in a public space with public engagement the way we can now. And uh, I'll say, you know, your live stream after the first episodes was was excellent. You had a really big group there. I think you had almost like what, 600 at some point. So, yeah, uh, the, the you know, high
4: I, for the watch party, a lot of live streams, our, our, our high was, was 2300 right. people on the on the um, the watch party stream at one point.
0: Oh, man. It's crazy. 23. That's incredible. See, it was just 600 when I I thought that was a lot. So 2300, that's incredible. Someday when we (laughs) get all grown up, we'll get up to 2300 for a live stream. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, thanks a lot, Matt. And we're going to do a couple of giveaways here. Um, Kyle, I know we're working out who the uh, raffle winner is, but let's, you know, we had people who are tweeting at us their pictures of their home watch party and the food that they made, the drinks that they made. Um, and you know, we see the hashtag here on the bottom of the screen, FOF watch party. So please do that in the future, everybody, um, you know, send us pictures and we want to feature at least one who sent us a picture of their, their food and stuff. And, uh, you know, we're going to give away a shirt. Um, we've designed, I think a really fun shirt with some logos and whatnot. And, uh, the, the giveaway is going to, this is, uh, said to us in discord. So this person joined our disc, discord group, uh, before the show. And um, uh, on the night on Thursday night, and sent us a picture, and I think they was a screen name Finyadora, so Finyadora, and this is a picture of the shirt we'll be sending out to you, Finyadora. So if you uh, hit us up on Discord, we'll connect with you. Um, you know, we'll send us a we'll message with you privately. Send us your address, and we will be shipping out a shirt. And I th- I really want to highlight this shirt. I think it looks great. It's got our logos on there, and it uh, says Eldar Millennial which uh, no matter what generation you are a part of, if you're a Tolkien fan, you are an Eldar millennial. So um, that's the the shirt we're going to be giving out to folks on the stream. So Finadora, uh, hit us up and we'll make sure this gets to you. And now I think, are we ready with our raffle winner? This might take a second. And I want I to th- thank Katie uh, McKenna, who's been moderating. She's been moderating today, doing a great job. And she hopped over from the Prancing Pony podcast to, uh, you know, took a break from all of her other duties in the Tolkien fandom to help us out today. And she's been tracking, tracking the, uh, super chats and everything and giving us a winner. So our winner today, it looks like is Steve Steve right on Steve Sadler. That's great great news. Yeah. Thank you, Steve, for, uh, for the super chat and the donation. And I, you know, when you get the, the piece from Justin, you know, tweet it out and and tag us. I, I, you know, I want to see your happy face with that awesome painting from justin so thank you for your support and we'll get that sent out to you and i think with that we can we can wrap up uh kyle when's the next fellowship of fans like live watch party it's not going to be the night yeah so we're going to go back to the old council of fans time slot and um we're gonna watch those on on the friday evening um so that'll be a bit of a better time for everyone i think and um we'll have that live stream up very 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 soon what's on what's on the docket for watch party you guys are busy these days yeah well jen and i we will put out our own hot takes episode immediately after the show airs we we get together and we record and we release it the next morning just a short little (laughs) you know if we're tearing our hair out or if our brain's exploding and uh uh, and then the audio from these live streams we're going to break it up into two we're going to have our uh, spoiler free or no book spoiler panel we're going to release that in a audio only podcast format on our on our podcast and we're going to have the lore panel separately like about a day later so if you go to watch party lord of the rings we got three different watch party podcasts going lord of the rings house of ice uh, a song of ice and fire um they're talking about house of the dragon and we have a wheel of time podcast so we got three of them for all you fantasy nerds but go check out the lord of the rings one and the audio from this stream if you missed any part of it you can listen back to it there um and keep an eye out on our twitter fellowship of fans and our twitter will be tweeting out tomorrow new recipes for this week Uh, We got, I'll give you a little hint. We got some, some baked goods and some skewers. So we're getting a little more old fashioned with this stuff. It's going to be woodland venison (laughs) skewers. It's not really venison, but we're calling it venison. (laughs) And, and our cocktail this week is going to be like a blackberry Mm. brandy type of concoction. So we'll be tweeting those out tomorrow so you can go to the grocery store and uh, get all the goodies you need to make that and, and uh, enjoy your watch party night with us. Right on. So thanks again to everybody. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Kyle, Lakitsia, Hen, Strider, Matt, uh, our newbie panel. And uh, of course, thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in and sticking with us uh, this whole time through some of our technical yep. difficulties. We'll see.
5: I, uh, I hope we'll see you next it. time.